Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank everyone in the audience for taking time to be with us today. Our mission, as always, is to provide information to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get faster, better broadband everywhere it needs to be. Now, we've been talking a lot on the show lately about FCC Chairman Janikowski's Gigabit City Challenge, an initiative to get at least one citywide gigabit network in every state by 2015. Now, there actually are a decent number of cities and towns on their way uh, to helping reach that goal. They're, they're building gigabit networks, and a few have already reached this uh, powerful position. Now, we hear about the, the usual, you know, the usual suspects here, Chattanooga, uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, Bristol, Virginia, but there are others that don't capture a lot of the limelight, but, surely, uh, but, but, but clearly should be out there. Um, and that's one of the things that Gigabit Nation is addressing is, is bringing you those uh, communities and learning more about their story. So joining us today is uh, Gary Cavan, who is the director and CIO of the Department of Technology for the city of uh, Columbus, Ohio. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Craig. Uh, glad to be here. And so let's start. Um, you know, it was, it was interesting that we uh, we had a conversation a, a few days ago. You know, prepping for for the show, and I discovered a very interesting fact about how. You guys got started down this uh, this path. There it had to do with something about some author or other in a book and uh, and wireless technology. <laughs> why tell that story? Give the audience a perspective on how uh, Columbus got moving down this path. I will be happy to do that. So uh, this uh, this is a pretty interesting story. Several years ago now, I would say at least uh, what nine, ten years ago now. Um, I was actually in the Department of Development, and um, one of the um, uh, one of my jobs was to to go out and try and find new ways to uh, enhance economic development. And uh, during that period, this was when really broadband was beginning to take off, and um, this was when Earthlink was part of that uh, that discussion. They were building networks in cities, and that, that was kind of the the billing model. And I went to a a, a, uh, a broadband um, um, uh, meeting, uh, conference, I should say. Uh, I can't remember where it was, but I do know that uh, <laughs> one of the sponsors or one of the featured uh, individuals, uh, besides the, the young lady who was then the CIO of Philadelphia, because I think they were a little ahead of most people, was a guy named Craig Settles. And uh, uh, it was really interesting because at that conference, uh, I really began to understand the importance and kind of the vision of broadband and what it could do for a city going forward. And uh, I tell people that's the day I found religion, uh, at least <laughs> that religion. Uh, and I, I immediately came back to the city. I told the mayor that, uh, you know, we have got to get involved in this somehow. Uh, and we looked at different things and talked about different uh, ways to do it. And uh, we had actually had a conversation with um, Earthlink, 
they had come to our city. Uh, and as a, as a result of that conversation, uh, unfortunately, they kind of went away before we got to do mm-hmm. a deal. So the result for us was that uh, we then decided, let's try and build our own network. And, and I would say, just to back up a little bit, that uh, what we've done, uh, if you come to a city like ours, and I'm sure this is the same case with any city, it's going to take great leadership. And we happen to have a really great mayor. Uh, he's uh, been mayor on his fourth term. He understands the direction we're trying to head. He's very progressive, Mayor Coleman. And so he has allowed us to purchase fiber. We have a fiber network now, which consists of about uh, over 300 miles, soon to be 400 miles. And so we feel like we're headed down that, that road where one day we will be mentioned uh, in the conversation. We talk about uh, gig cities. Uh, and then one final note is that uh, this is interesting as well because in between all that, um, I called a person named uh, Mr. Settles <laughs> and uh, had a conversation, which uh, that probably is not something that uh, sticks out in your mind. But as a result, you sent me a book and signed it, and I still have that today. So thank you. Uh, you're welcome. I'm glad to have uh, been able to help, uh, you know, to help in the forward momentum of this project. And, you know, as I tell folks, you know, be mindful of the seeds you you sow because, uh, you know, one day they could produce great things. And so I'll 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 take a little, you know, a little kudo or two on, on that. I mean, I think it's a, uh, you know, it, it was a clear message and you had a lot of the right ingredients already in place meaning that you had a supportive mayor, a supportive political structure. And and in the book, you know, one of the one of the reasons that Philadelphia moved as far and as quickly as they did, even though they had troubles later, was their mayor. I mean the the mayor of Philadelphia was out front. He you know, he brought his people together and said, This is what we're gonna do. He created a committee, uh he gave him a charter, ninety days. They had ninety days to do all the research, analysis and present him with a plan for moving forward, which, you know, in, in for those who are familiar with, you know, local government, getting something this major with very little precedence ahead of it, because, I mean, in in, in 05, you know, there weren't a lot of these networks except for in really tiny communities. And so the mayor, I think, had a big, uh, well, no, there was no think about it. The mayor definitely had a big impact. You know, my question to, to you know, lead this discussion off is how do you engage the mayor and how do you get the mayor to be more excited about broadband than, than you are, you know, uh, to, to really get out there? Because there's a certain amount of political risk uh, in, in, in a project like this because of its visibility, its size, and its potential impact and the kind of uh, challenges that you're going to meet. Sure. Well, one of the things we did, before we uh, began to purchase fibers, that we pulled together a group of um, people from the business community, from uh, higher education, from secondary education, uh, from all over our, our city, to and even outside of our city, as a matter of fact. And we held a two-day retreat, and in that retreat, we asked and we talked about with uh, these individuals what role they thought broadband should play in our city, how could it impact their uh, livelihood or lives more positively, and and so uh, and who would pay for it and so on and so forth. So 
when we went through that process, uh, I think everyone felt engaged uh, that would be involved in reaping the benefits of a, a network like this. And uh, the mayor, uh, if anyone knows him as a person, his, uh, what he does the best is bring people together. And uh, he loves the city of Columbus. And so anytime he can see an initiative like this one, where not only are we bringing people together, but we know at the end of the rainbow, the city is going to be much better off than where we began, uh, it wasn't real hard to get him excited. Um, now, obviously, uh, as are uh, most mayors, they have a law on their plate, and uh, most of them uh, don't necessarily come from a technology background. But uh, having said that, you know, as you begin to put devices in their hands and they can see the value and, you know, uh, things like that, it becomes much more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Now let's let's talk about the flip side of that. So, because in a number of communities, even I'm working uh, with a community now, Atumla in, in Iowa, and the the mayors and the city councils of a lot of places, both small and large, don't understand it, don't see the need, they can't get all excited about it if they even think about it. And so, how do you move them? I mean, from your perspective, obviously you had the support of mayor. But if you had not, if you were transported to another city one day, how mm-hmm. would you suggest getting these reluctant politicos on board with broadband? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the things that always resonates with uh, elected officials and particularly mayors, uh, two things, economic development, uh, three things, economic development, safety, uh, and then quality of life. And broadband uh, impacts all those things. Positively, at least it's been my experience. And so when I began to speak with the mayor, it wasn't about the broadband, the speed. It was the impact it would have on those initiatives, uh, like I said, economic development, um, safety, and quality of life. And then it became more of a, uh, a more real, more something that, uh, you know, they could easily get their arms around, around and talk about uh, to others. And so it, it, it took away the discussion about, you know, why do we really need this and, and what can it really do for us? And, and so, you know, it, it, and I know this is an overused term, but it really has become the fourth utility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we discuss things, and, and a lot of things, uh, in addition to that, a lot of the mayors, elected officials, most of them are visionaries. So then the other thing to talk about is not where we are now, but where we can be. And when you talk about using a tool like this, it's almost the sky's the limit as in terms of you know where we can be in the next five, ten, fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So that seems to be that seems to be fair. I mean, public safety, I think historically, has always been you know the lever. If you can show some connection, some credible connection to you know an initiative and public safety, by and large, those things get support, they get funded, and and so forth. And then I think in the last three or four years. Uh, economic development has become so crucial, particularly to mid-sized and small towns, that uh, again, once you can show a credible link between the two, they, um, you know, they're 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 on they're on the case. They 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 feel like you know this is something they need to uh, get on board with. And now in in Columbus, what are the expected or you know what are the actual impacts that you see coming from uh, from the broadband network that you're building or that you've built? Sorry. Well, yeah, we're still building it. But one of the things, obviously, is we've been kind of late to the game of uh, camera surveillance. I think that 
um, that in and, of, in and of itself is a separate discussion about whether, you know, it's something you want to do or not do. But having said that, we are moving down that road. And so what we have done is we've gone to the neighborhoods. You know, we've talked where, you know, there may be more crime than, than uh, you know, one would want. And uh, we asked them, do you want cameras in your neighborhood? So, you know, one of the things we've done is said, okay, we can connect right back to our fiber network and run it to a, you know, operations center and, uh, here you are now. You have real-time events taking place in front of you, um, and obviously that uh, reduces uh, crime in that particular area and, and outwardly. So that's something we've done in terms of, of the safety. Uh, in terms of our rec centers, we have all of our rec centers that uh, currently have some sort of connectivity in them. So we have our customers who come in our rec centers, and they you know, free Wi-Fi in our rec centers, so if an adult brings their child, they can get on the computer while their child is doing some activity. Uh, and so those are the kinds of things that we have used this network for. And then uh, obviously at some point we've had discussions and at some point we will be moving in this direction where we have smaller communities around us who uh, don't really have the means or, or if they did, uh, there's no value for them to run their own data center. Uh, we have two data centers. And so at some point, uh, we discuss, hey, you know, connect to our data centers. Let, let's let's cut your costs. Uh, you know, just like going in the cloud somewhere else, secure, uh, nice big pipe, and so those are the kind of discussions we're having uh, in our community. Mm-hmm. And uh, now with the uh, with with the sur- video surveillance, um, I, I know there's a, there's a segment of the population of even policymakers. Who get a little nervous about about that? How do you keep that as a, a as a positive as opposed to some people saying, "Oh my God, we're, we're you know we're turning the, the city into a, a police state." Well, that certainly is always a uh, uh, tricky road to maneuver, but it's only if you don't live in an area where crime is prevalent. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you live in an area, unfortunately, where um, you know, drug deals are taking place right outside your door or murders are being committed on a regular basis and uh, those kinds of activities, then you're going to welcome uh, some relief in the form of, and, and, you know, in 2013, it's very hard to hire 50, 60, 70 more additional police officers uh, at the cost that uh, that you would have to, or funds you'd have to spend. So the next best thing and, and even maybe even better thing at this point is to have surveillance cameras. So it, it was something we didn't take lightly. There was a lot of debate that took place uh, both internally with the mayor and city council and some business leaders and neighborhood folks, but we decided in our community that this was the best way to go. Mm-hmm. And isn't it also a, uh, a a positive that if you can show the economic or the potential economic development impact the ability to better prep kids for jobs, the ability for uh, starting entrepreneurs uh, off on a, on a path, uh, that those economic benefits that are being brought kind of work, in essence, hand-in-hand hand with the bringing down of the crime, reducing uh, area uh, issues that make areas unlivable to where they become uh, livable again. I mean, that was that was a thrust with, I think, Philadelphia, was uh you know was heavy on the you know here's how we use this technology to help bring people 
out of poverty, you know, improve low-income areas, mm-hmm. and yet we will have to address maybe some of the, I don't know, call it less pleasant aspects of crime fighting, you know, which is, you know, bringing in surveillance and so forth. Mm-hmm. But if we're doing the two hand-in-hand, hand, you know, in essence, the increase on the economic development side reduces the need for uh, the, you know, the video surveillance and that type of, you know, crime-fighting elements. Yeah, I agree 100%. We we actually have uh, several award-winning programs that the mayor has developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's, one's called Capital Kids, uh, and that's an after-school program that resides in uh, several of our rec centers that was developed by the mayor where kids after school can obviously go into these rec centers, and they have uh, computers inside of them as well as uh, people available to help them on the computers. Uh, we also recently developed what's called an apps program where we're now targeting more of an older age group, uh, and and we're you know we're doing oh my we're going to gaming um, in terms of part of the uh, part of the uh, uh, um, process of you know teaching them um, how to use computers uh, and and also giving them life skills in terms of how to find a job and things such as that. So we're also going down that road. Um, and so we have uh, things that uh, that you described that not only are we trying to get the bad people off the street, but we're trying to make the neighborhood safe so that those who do want to learn and do want to be um, better themselves, uh, we give them a, we give them an opportunity through some of the, the initiatives that we've began. Mm-hmm. Now, as testimony to the uh, the pro economic development aspect of the network, you, your your city, Columbus, was just named one of the top seven intelligent communities by the Intelligent Communities Forum. And for those who are unfamiliar with ICF, uh, they're their award process basically starts with about, I think, 400, 450 uh, communities from around the world, and they are judged on a number of criteria, but broadband is a significant component of, uh, you know, the criteria, and they are measured for how well these communities are uh, enabling their communities to take part in in a, a broadband economy. And so, and not to your thunder so you know step in and tell us you know how did that come about you know your you know you've gone from 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 400 and some odd folks down to the top seven how how did you do that uh, a lot of hard work uh, Craig. <laughs> it's always uh, the case, it's always the case. Yeah. so we 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 uh like other communities uh apply for deep b top money uh several times twice i guess would be the exact number and, and during that process Although we didn't win, uh, we developed some very close and long-lasting relationships, and uh, and so we pulled together again a group of, of companies, individual libraries, and the Ohio State University, uh, Battelle. We have some real gems in our community, so we we brought them together uh, to work on this B top because you know they have the same vision that we have for this city, and and through that process, we began to. Uh, although again we didn't win, uh, we continue those relationships and start talking about. So how can we help each other? What can I do for you to enhance what you're trying to do, and vice versa? And so when this intelligent community 
platform uh, application uh, came up, we discussed it and thought, this is perfect. I mean, this is something we've uh, been doing for a while. This is something we continue to do. We're, we're not, you know, the best at it. We're not bad at it, but, uh, you know, we're getting better, and we think this is something that we uh, we might be able to win. And so last year, went through the process, and we were uh, top 21. And uh, this year, went through the process again, became top 21, and uh, lo, be, lo and behold, <laughs> received a uh, call last week and actually were named uh, top seven. So it's funny you mentioned that. We're, we're, we're in the process right now of um, bringing the organization in and uh, kind of taking them through our city and uh, hopefully winning this. Interesting. Now, this is in November. Uh, November. Take two. This is in June uh, in New York City when they have the final selection and uh, your city and, and the other six cities will be showcased and, and so forth. Uh, it really is a very good uh, honor. You know, I've, I've, I've gone to the... Um, conference a number of years and it's interesting to see how these different cities with different challenges from uh, different parts of the uh, world address the the use of broadband and um, you know and and you're talking about you know you've got a focus on you know communities and, and improving communities and so forth if we can talk a little bit more about the economic development, okay, we, you know, we talked about training kids, training seniors. Uh, what other, like, specifically economic development type programs are you guys uh, engaged in or are using the broadband network to 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 drive or expand? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have a pretty robust economic development uh, department. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think I just heard statistics this morning that. We're one of the few cities who have regained all the jobs we lost during the recession. Whoa, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, we're very proud of that. And so we, we offer, obviously, a lot of uh, creative tools in our tool chest to, to attract businesses and to keep them there. Uh, broadband is becoming another one of our tools. Uh, we know that high-tech businesses, for example, uh, we just had IBM move to our community. IBM started uh, what will be the first and only of its kind in the world, uh, a business intelligence um, company. Uh, that's what all they focus on worldwide. And uh, so, uh, you know, any company of that magnitude, uh, moving that much data, is going to need to be able to do it quickly, expeditiously, and securely. And so you're going to need a broadband connection. You're going to need something that uh, uh, obviously provides that uh tool to allow you to do that. And so um, those are the kinds of businesses that as we move forward, we intend to continue to bring here. Again, we have Battelle here, a worldwide, or we have Children's Hospital, a world-renowned hospital. Uh, We have OSU. So we have some pretty large uh, organizations here, Nationwide Insurance. And obviously the more they grow, Instead of having them move out of our community, we've got to find a way to keep them. Uh, and we have quality of life. We've been working on that. So we just think this is another tool in our tool chest to make sure that we don't lose those jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and in addition to that, one of the things that's very important to us, and we're trying to address this even as we speak, is that having Ohio State University here is an asset, a tremendous asset. In the same breath, what we found is that kids will move here, go to school here, and then leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got to find a way to keep them here. 
So we're doing things like we're starting a small uh, technology incubator downtown. Uh, we have another incubator uh, out on the uh, outer skirts of our city that provides um, business technology. So we're trying to really begin to focus more uh, on technology and technology-based companies, and we think this is a good tool to have in our tool chest. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you guys are still building the network, though, right? You're not actually finished, finished. You, you still have some ways to go. Where are you in the, in the build-out phase? We have about uh, 300 miles. Uh, here, here's something that uh, we did that we think uh, really was uh, a benefit to all of us. So <clears throat> City of Columbus basically manages, if not all, most of the traffic signals around the county. And so uh, several years ago, uh, we began this almost like a user's group for broadband internally. And through that discussion, uh, we discovered that uh, the traffic and signaling system had gotten a grant from uh, the federal government to build a new system. <laughs> and we piggybacked on that grant, and now we're looking at another 100 miles of fiber uh, that we got at a really reasonable price uh, okay. that we're, we're, we know is going to be a tremendous benefit to us because now we're talking about up and down our interstate as opposed to around uh, our city. Uh, and then in addition to that, uh, we are... Um, looking at going into uh, an agreement with the third party Mm -hmm. to connect it all together. And that's something we'll be doing uh, this year. Uh, We'll Mm -hmm. begin that process. Uh, Because, you know, while we have pockets of our fiber going into our city-owned facilities and pockets here, it's not all connected. And through this uh, money we've received recently through our capital funding, it'll be all connected. So by year's end, uh, we'll have a pretty robust and uh, redundant network. Mm-hmm. Now, is this an open access network? It's not open at this point, uh, but certainly that's something we will discuss uh, as we move through this process. Mm-hmm. So now, what have been some of the major challenges that you've faced, and how have you addressed them? Because I'm, Columbus is a, if I'm not mistaken, a, a mid-sized uh, city, so it's not small, it's not rural, obviously, um, and then generally, you know, the bigger cities do have a, a number of additional hurdles that some of the smaller ones don't. What have been some of yours or the cities? Well, so we're uh, we're right now the 15th largest city in the nation. Um, I think some of the hurdles have been you know, just selling the fact that you know with fiber and broadband, it's uh, you almost have to think about what can be, uh, because as, as you know, uh, applications are being developed every day for um, for uh, mobile devices. So, as we begin to think about becoming more mobile, a more mobile workforce, and you know those things, um, and, and I don't know. I mean, I can't really call them a challenge because, mm-hmm. uh, but you know. There was some skepticism as to, um, you know, what's this really? I think probably if there was one challenge, it would be the fact that um, this is not going to, you know, maybe bring the city millions of dollars in revenue. Um, we expect some revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost like, you know, why do you build a road? Why do you, you know, it's, it's the 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 things that come with it that, you know, more people, more jobs, more tax revenue, uh, 
that actually pay as opposed to a direct uh, benefit. So mm-hmm. that, that's probably one of the bigger challenges in terms of explaining, you know, yeah, we've spent a lot of money and we're going to get it back, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just, but, you know, we're not going to be, we're not going to compete with AT&T. Right, right, right. We don't right. want to be a private sector company. We There are there are good partners. So that's probably been one of our biggest challenges, Greg. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you're off on the right, uh, you know, you're off on the right foot. It doesn't seem that there's been a lot of, uh, contention and so forth, and so that's been that's been very helpful um, for the broad broadband project team itself. This is something actually I've, I've had a lot to guess on. I haven't talked very much about, you know, how did you actually compose the the team? But but how did you do that? What, like what kinds of folks are on your uh, broadband team? You know, how did you come about selecting the people that you did select? And because I think a lot of the audience is interested in, you know, in how you do that. How do you staff it properly so that you get the results that you want from, uh, you know, from the folks that you have to, to work with? Mm-hmm. So the, uh, we've been very lucky in our city. We Within the Department of Technology, we actually have a network group uh, of uh, very highly trained professionals. And so, uh, obviously, you know, we're not going out building, so we, we contract that out. Uh, we mm-hmm. have brake fixes. We'll contract that out. But the actual engineering of it, uh, my folks, we have a really close relationship with one of our vendors. Uh, I guess I can say a Cisco. They've been uh, they've been very helpful and, and good to us through this process. And so it's not a obviously a direct team, but it's you know it's it's a group, right? Mm-hmm. That um, when when duty calls. Uh, they all are on deck. They're all, on, you know, they don't hesitate to get involved. And, and so between my organization and Cisco, and again, through this process, it went through the BTOP process, and then some outside vendors, we have a pretty good group of persons who are who have been very instrumental in building this network out. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you keep all these folks on, uh, on task, on time, and on budget? Because this is a big... You know, for the most part, I think that as you know, as as a lot of the communities that got funded by broadband stimulus and and projects are moving along, there hasn't been a lot of stories about uh, you know projects dropping behind. I mean, granted, we've had a couple you know bad stories, bad apples. Okay, and I think you expect that, but mostly a lot of these projects have come together and seem to be coming together rather well, and a number have come out ahead of time, uh, you know, ahead of schedule and under budget. Um, how do you keep that happening <laughs> with all the moving parts you have? Yeah, well, good leadership. Again, I mean, uh, you know, the the one thing that uh, our mayor is is, uh, is a stickler on is making sure that if you say you're going to do something, it gets done, <laughs> right? And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, we have regular discussions about where we are with things and uh, how we're moving forward. And in addition to that, uh, I didn't know if you knew that, but do this, I should say. But we are... Uh, not if not the only one of the few cities our size who uh, have a triple A bond rating, and and so so what does that mean? So obviously we borrow money at a lower rate. We have an auditor who has been here, and then I think this probably will maybe shed some light on uh, give it you know, additional to the question. We have an auditor who's been auditor since 1964, mm-hmm. and so he has managed the city resources extremely well. So he knows where every penny is. I can remember when I first met him, 
Craig, he brought out a paper ledger. <laughs> uh, you know, we're talking about we're, we're literally a billion dollar corporation. He had a paper letter, and he told me, "I know where he knows where every penny is without using a computer." Bless his uh, heart. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, <laughs> and so that's the kind of management uh, that that uh, we have in the city of Columbus. And then again, you have certainly the mayor who who makes sure that um, you know things are on task and on time. And, and in addition to that, we've been really lucky throughout this whole process, even through the recession, that uh, we were still uh, receiving capital funding. And so all of the departments get uh, capital funds per year, and we were able to use our capital funds to build our fiber network. Uh, and so we've uh, we've made sure that, you know, as important as this is, this was not something we were going to stop and start and stop and start and stop and start. And I think probably even more than anything, is the um, continuity, as I indicated. The mayor's been here uh, going into his fourth term. The auditor's been here going into, wow, I can't even count that long, since 1964. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so <laughs> we, have a, we have a council that's, um, that's very cooperative. We, as a matter of fact, the chair of, our, uh, of my committee is a uh, technology person, has his own technology business. So we've, you know, I guess it's just one of those stories where things are just fall into place. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just worked this way and, you know, it's the right place at the right time. But, uh, and maybe that's an overused cliche, but, I, you know, I think we all feel that way. Mm-hmm. Interesting indeed. Well, you definitely, uh, when you can keep these these uh, projects on time and under budget, it does go a long way to reducing potential, you know, pushback and all of that. Now, what kind of processes do you have in place to, uh, keep the, the the finger on the pulse of the community. I mean, you you have a, a network. You've talked about public safety. You talked about economic development, which means that you know there's involvement of the business community. Uh, do you have regular meetings, forums? Do you have like online tools to keep people connected? How how do you keep that feedback flowing in and, and keeping your ability, uh, you know, on on the ball to respond to those uh, to respond to that feedback? Well, we, we have a couple of different ways. We uh, we have a mobile app that we developed that uh, we get a lot of feedback that way. Uh, in addition to that, um, I actually, uh, under my direction, we have a TV station that we run. Um, so we get feedback there. And then uh, one of the things that the mayor began when he took office is something we call Neighborhood Pride. And uh, Neighborhood Pride these initiatives uh, that's been going on now about 13 years. And what it is is that we go into a selected neighborhood. Uh, it's usually about six per year based on community involvement, and we take all our resources. We take police. We take health. We take water, you know, all the things, you know, public service, all things you can imagine would be an issue in a neighborhood. We take them out there for one week collecting trash, you know, and just making sure that we address those needs. And at the end of that particular week, uh, every director is required to go to a uh, a meeting for several hours with the neighborhood and the mayor who actually chairs the meetings. In those meetings, we discuss uh, any issue they want to discuss. And, and so that's how we, uh, one of our main ways we get feedback, in addition to other things I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to shift directions again here for a little bit. Um, let's talk about the role of wireless. You know, one of the um, I don't know 
things that you could almost be assured of, say, three, four years ago, is when you started talking about broadband, uh, it was like having a either a political or religious discussion because there were people who were adamantly in favor of fiber, people who were adamantly in favor of wireless, and never the twain shall meet, which, you know, I find to be a little silly. And yeah. uh, that, you know, as I see these things moving forward, that they're one and the same. I mean, you cannot have wireless without a wire. Yeah. You know, all the stuff that goes over wire, people want to be portable, yeah. want to be mobile, you yeah. know, their train issues, on and on and on. What's the role of wireless in Columbus? Um, and, and did it help for, you know, what you're doing over wireless? Does it help that initially, you know, you guys had your sights set on a municipal wireless network? Yes, it does. Uh, answer, make a uh, short answer. But what we've done, um, again, we know, as you indicated, the wireless has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we, we've built that somewhere. Um, but we also know in order to be mobile and to create a mobile workforce, whether it be through inspections or our police officers or other uh, uh, employees, uh, we have to have Wi-Fi. So one of the things we did when we applied for the BTOP the first time, we really specced out uh, what it would take to make our entire city wireless. And to be quite honest with you, that's really one of my goals this is me talking now. Mm-hmm. I want people to be able to walk out their front doors anywhere in our city and get connected and get online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, like you said, you can't have wires everywhere, right? But you mm-hmm. can't have connectivity everywhere. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so we, we feel it's a very important part of the, our initiative to make sure where it doesn't make sense to, because fiber's not cheap. Uh, right. It doesn't make sense to put that water, wire in the ground that we still don't, uh, uh, shy away from the fact that we want to be connected anywhere we go in our city. Now, you know, that's a pretty lofty goal because, you know, we're about 230 square miles. Mm-hmm. But we've got to start somewhere. Right. And so, uh, you know, we have a couple of our parks that are now Wi-Fi, and I'm sure it's like that in other communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, our rec centers are our Wi-Fi, uh, our city facilities, our buildings, the building I'm in now while I'm speaking with you uh, is Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just the Wi-Fi portion of, of our initiative is just as important as the hardware. Mm-hmm. Does any of this talk about uh, TV white space and its possible, uh, you know, use as part of the wireless solution? Um, have you guys given much thought to that, or is that still a drawing board kind of technology? For us, it is yes. Okay. So I guess some people probably were very amused at this. Uh, uh, I guess yesterday, the day before, there was a, there was an article about uh, TV white space, and the FCC was promising to build a fiber. Uh, I'm sorry, a Wi-Fi network across America, and on top of it all, everybody would get free Wi-Fi, yeah. and um, <laughs> which is not true. Maybe before everybody starts running out and uh, you know shooting off fireworks and whatnot. But it's interesting that so many like reputable media folk all bought into this thing, which was really the offshoot of a discussion that happened, I don't know, three, four years ago, and and everybody was just, you know, oh my, we're going to get free Wi-Fi. Yeah. Is the hope for free Wi-Fi still something that people, you know, that you run into, you know, talk about? I mean, is, or is it just like media folks talking to each other kind of got out of hand because there was like this insane enthusiasm for this idea of, you know, free Wi-Fi everywhere? 
Okay, so we, we well, first of all, we're still waiting for the free Wi-Fi every year, everywhere. I think that's why we <laughs> took the initiative that we did in the direction that we took. Uh, you know, that's one of those things that is is great to talk about, but um, you know, obviously that's not something I've I've seen uh, and think I'm going to see in the very near future. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that um, you know we struggle with is, is that at some point. In order to address digital divide, digital inclusion, however you want to describe it, um, we know in our community, for example, um, we're a pretty rich city in terms of connectivity. We have several cable companies here who are uh, obviously provide uh, those means. But one thing we, we don't have or do have is that some persons, households, can't afford to pay mm-hmm. uh, the exorbitant amounts we pay in America for broadband. And, and so, uh, you know, what may seem like not much money to most people is a lot of money to some people. So at some point, we, we do have to address, whether it be through subsidies and whether it be through Wi-Fi or hardwire or whatever the case may be, how we bridge that gap, how we make sure that every child goes home in the evening and can connect. Uh, you know, we, we, we have discussion all the time, is it the great neighborhood or is it the great school that comes first? Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know. We just know when you find one, you normally find the other. Mm-hmm. So for us, and particularly at this point, we're going through kind of a transition period, and the mayor's gotten really engaged in in our schools. And uh, one of the things that we found is the, I won't say lack of technology, but certainly the technology isn't adequate uh, for the kids we're trying to prepare for the future. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at uh, working with our schools on some initiatives in terms of putting devices in their hands, making sure that they have connectivity at home. Uh, and so, you know, again, it goes back to there has to be some subsidized or free Wi-Fi somewhere uh, for us to uh, achieve the goals we want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, let's shift gears a little bit one more time. I'd like to um, get your thoughts on, uh, you know, using broadband for medical and, and health care service delivery. You know, if you were to, you know, throw out – Put out there. What's your, you know, boldest, broadest vision for broadband's impact, um, medical and healthcare services delivery? What would you see the outcome being? Well, uh, well, I'm not a doctor, so I know. I'm sorry. Excuse me. How bold this would be, but certainly <laughs> this this <laughs> this is a necessity, at least in our community. And I think probably others as well. So, one of the things we like to do. Um, building this network is turn our rec centers into community centers uh, whereby uh, the kids cannot just go there and, and have uh, play athletics and take classes in terms of yoga or some other class like that, but also do distance learning. And to go back to your point, which is uh, equally as important, our seniors, you know, transportation is not an easy thing around Columbus. It's not like we have a, a rapid transit system. It's almost like we don't, you know. Mm-hmm. We have, Buses, but you know that they're not always. Uh, well, they are. They're on time and schedule. So I'm not going to say that. But it would be much easier if a senior, for example, could you know walk a few feet outside their house or catch a bus, you know, five or ten minutes away and go to a rec center and do telemedicine. Mm-hmm. You know, we realize that a lot of doctors' visits aren't really necessary, and so. You know, we we get in all kinds of discussions. It drives the cost of medical care, which in turn other people pay for. 
the the patient, the senior, other person, and even children, not just them. We have a we have a real issue with obesity. So, you know, now we have the the person maybe not having to take that trip to the doctor, just get online, uh, have a doctor available through telemedicine, and you can begin to solve some issues that in the past uh, required that person being in the office for a visit. Mm-hmm. And now what about things such as, um, you know, self-monitoring? And, you know, I, I went to a conference once where there were some interesting gadgets there, uh, including a, a one that you'd put on as a wireless gadget that would, uh, like, monitor various, uh, you know, bar- bodily functions like heart rate and so mm-hmm. forth overnight and then, uh, you know, package that stuff up and send it out, you know, wirelessly to, you know, some facility or whatever, or, you know, they'd be able to pull up on their computer and kind of do an analysis or whatever. I mean, it was an idea that at the time seemed a little um, unfocused in some Mm -hmm. respects, but the idea, the idea of being able to monitor, gather data, and then make data available, you know, whether it's kids that are looking in on, you know, their parents or Mm -hmm. grandparents, Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's uh, doctors keeping tabs on their uh, patients without having to do a you know an in-office visit, but this idea of um, you know being able to monitor things that keep us healthy uh, seemed to be a big um, I don't know it had a lot of potential I, I guess yeah it makes a lot of sense to me I mean one of the things I always say and I, I will say this until uh, I die I guess is that you just don't know what the next application is. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. but and I think this kind of how I sold this this whole project is, a, but you do know if you have the medium to carry the information, right? If you have the vehicle to get it from point A to point B, that really the sky's the limit in terms of what applications can be developed. Uh, these individuals out here now are, are a lot smarter than I am, and mm-hmm. so you know, what you describe is is yes, that's a uh, perfect use for um, a senior or a child or anyone else. And, but you have to have that way to get the information back and forth. And so we think mm-hmm. we began with the right foundation, and hopefully we'll have individuals um, thinking like yourself and, and that person who come to our community and say, hey, you know, I can I can build you an app for this. <laughs> really, for sure. Now, yeah. what, it's interesting. One of the, uh, one of the uh, audience members in the chat room mentioned that, you know, sort of riffing off of the idea of uh, being able to monitor people and their conditions and so forth. If you could collect that kind of data and then funnel it into uh, the Center for Disease Control, it would help them track uh, epidemics and and what, you know, like colds or flus, where Mm -hmm. they're traveling, how they're traveling, that kind of thing. I love that idea. I'm going to, who, Charlie, can that person call me? (laughs) There you go. I love that idea. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. again, you know, it's it's like things that people haven't thought about. Well, I yeah. shouldn't say haven't thought about, but I know that it's kind of at the beginning of people's thinking because there's yeah. a so down in Chattanooga, there's a research center mm-hmm. that has the ability to track uh, like airborne issues and illnesses or or whatever. Um, uh, I think the initial application is thought of along the lines of, you know, if there's a chemical spill or there's mm-hmm. something in the air, but it basically uh, but it basically tracks and monitors where things are moving, you know, in real time. And I think sort of an offshoot of that is, well, if you can then, you know, have people via Twitter messages or Facebook posts that are adding to the data collection process, mm-hmm. 
you know, so then you have some massive, uh, you know, research thing that's, you know, tracking a, like almost a little cloud as it moves from point A to point B, you know, it just opens up, I think, all kinds of possibilities uh, in terms of, you know, how we monitor and how we respond to, um, you know, how we respond to certain uh, issues and illnesses as it pertains to the medical side. So, yes. Um, yes. you know. You, you're exactly right, and, and uh, I, we are certainly, again, having Children's Hospital here. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, where are we now? Children's Hospital, and then OSU Medical Center, but tell um, those are the kind of things that we uh, hope uh, and really expect uh, that we'll be doing in the future over our network. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things too I think about in this medical realm, because you mentioned there's a there's a there's a college university uh, in Columbus. I assume you have a couple of them, but uh, yes, we have right. the so, Ohio State University. I'm sorry, we have the Ohio State University. Ah. Thought, forgive me. Uh, yeah, so Craig, I, come on. How could you not? <laughs> you gonna get in trouble for that? You know that. I know. I just got dinged. I just, I just lost friends on that one. Oh my lord! Listen, I, I bet you could. Listen, I bet you could walk out your door right now and say O H, and somebody would say I O. Oh no! <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but but having having uh you know having this um you know having the college the, the university there yes. um i would assume also would open up the area to be recipients of all kinds of um research grants as well yes. i know up in cape cod you know that was a big draw uh for for support for their broadband network was the fact that there were some massive uh, research grants being talked about, but you had to be able, as a you know research center or the, or the recipient of the grant, be able to move just this insane amount of data, just an insane yeah. amount of data. But but you guys, I would imagine, you know, if you if you you know spend some time, additional time looking at the medical side of it, you know, being able to qualify for research grants to study things such as you know monitoring. Um, uh, aged populations, you know, setting up uh, programs to tackle obesity that are Internet-driven and mobile device-driven mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, you know, once you've got the network, you have the infrastructure, you clearly have the, you know, the academic facilities, and you clearly have people that fall into that those categories of, you know, medical issues which need to be addressed, you know, kind of wrapping them all together and say, look, let's let's make some dollars and cents you know, via, you know, the grant process to help offset some of this effort to get the network deployed and managed and so forth. But I think the communities need to look very seriously at that as a strategy, as a financial sustainability strategy, you know, turning your community into one huge, you know, research center seems to make sense to me. It does. And and we have a very good relationship with the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, again, through the process of the BTOP and then this, this uh, latter process, uh, there have been lots of conversations about how we can work better together, and uh, those things are occurring, but they're very eager. Uh, as a matter of fact, when we went through the process of building our, our mobile application, uh, we began that process by using OSU students. They built the mm-hmm. foundation of the application, and then we uh, brought in private sector to take it to the next level. But Yes, we uh, the the Ohio University is a true gem um, in this community, and they're a true partner. And 
You're exactly right. We try as best we can to take advantage of all their resources. Mm-hmm. So um, we're wrapping down to about uh, seven minutes or so to go. What are some of the, um, you know, I, when I was promoting the show, you know, I talked about, you know, the value uh, of the visionary. You know, somebody has to have vision to see beyond, you know, in a realm where you really can't see clearly beyond, like, you know, who can predict the next Facebook. But nevertheless, you still have to have some sort of vision that's driving this thing. What's your, you know, I guess, main visions for the the network? You know, if you were to say, what what do you expect to see in Columbus in five years because of the network? I expect to see this city go from being number 15th largest city to number one. Well, maybe not number one, but certainly move up the ladder. I expect uh, the community to change in terms of its uh, diversity. We already have a very diverse community, but uh, I would expect uh, more young people staying here who, who don't normally stay here. I would expect more technology companies moving here. Uh, I would expect uh, this to be a point of destination for uh, people around the country to come visit our city, and I think that broadband is going to play a big part in that. Mhm. Do you have other other um, you know, that's definitely doable and you know, you can still look at being number 1 now, you know. If you're going to if you're going to house the university, you know, you got to have that number 1 spot there on the radar screen, man. So, you know, you don't want to don't sell Yeah, we're going to we're going to keep up alive. We 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep up alive. But yeah, I mean, I just you know, education. I, I see education moving in a direction that in our community has never moved before. I think that, you know, obviously, you know, there's already, um, you know, distance learning going on around, around the world, and uh, we're going to be part of that. We're going to be a major part of that. I just, you know, I see people moving here, like I said before, to develop new applications uh, to run on our app. I, I see when people think of of a progressive uh, technology city, uh, they think of Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. I believe that 100%. So you see yourself being put on the map in many ways the same way Chattanooga is, right? Because Chattanooga in the last couple of years, especially the last year, has really used broadband to propel itself and its image as a leading technology powerhouse and sort of the hip city to be in in this new, in this new decade. And yes. so you're seeing the same kind of thing happening in Columbus. Yes, uh, maybe a little slower because I think they got uh, some funding from the federal government that we probably that we not probably that we did not get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly, I think we can rival with Chattanooga, and, and they're doing some great things. Uh, I've looked at uh, some of the things that they're doing and the mm-hmm. companies that are attracting and the young people that are moving there to to develop apps, and and certainly there's some great things. And yeah, I think we can be uh, another Chattanooga, uh, if if not better. So, um, you know, that's the vision we have here, and. Uh, you know, not to diminish anyone else, but we don't like being second best. <laughs> All right, you heard it here, folks, ladies and gentlemen. Columbus is going to give Chattanooga a run for its money. You're going to get me in trouble now, huh? <laughs> okay. It's out there now. I've got you started the rivalry. <laughs> I better call this as soon as I get off the phone. <laughs> I know. Mary be calling. What did you get us to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've got about four minutes. Let's talk about 
tips tips to your colleagues, tips to your counterparts in other communities, mid-sized, small communities. You know, what are the two top things you say, you know, focus on these two things to make broadband work for you? Well, I would say you have to have uh, leadership that buys into it. That That's probably number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, you have to have a vision. Those will be my two top things. I think with those two things, you can uh, manage the other things, which would be finances and how do you work with other community individuals to, if you don't have the money, to have them spend their money uh, to reach your vision. But uh, if you have those two things, uh, you're on the right path. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a way to, I don't know, encourage, to foster, to facilitate the visionary? You know, because good management, you can kind of figure out the path to getting there. Finding a good visionary is, is uh, you know, not necessarily easy. How do you find good visionaries? I think they find you. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, it's uh, sometimes you, you, you may, because... Uh, until you get to know someone, you you really don't know someone, right? And so, I think it's just a matter of uh, you know looking for that person, have an idea, of the direction you want to go, and and uh, and I mean that that's I mean I I can't tell you how to find a visionary. <laughs> I wish I could. I, I mean I yeah I think I don't think people I think other people call people visionaries normally, um, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, that's a good question, Greg. I'm going to have to think about that one. There you go. That's one for yeah. the you, We yeah. could do a uh, you know, broadband conference seminar on that one, you know, finding and cultivating the, the next generation of visionaries. Yeah, you you could do it through the, uh, the what those tests they give now that kind of determine <laughs> what kind of person you are. Maybe that's a, <laughs> maybe that's the way to do it. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. I say that, uh, you know, some of it is, you 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 cultivate the landscape and and probably like you you mentioned you know the visionaries will find a way you know and then you got to have that receptivity I think again you know looking yeah. at uh, yeah. Philadelphia and where it was yeah. in 2004 and looking at Columbus where it is you know in in 2013 you know the 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 mayor had the initial vision it helped the mayor of Philadelphia was a gadget freak I mean he had like more PDAs and the law allows for, but nevertheless, you know, so he kind of had this vision, and his first couple of people he pulled on board were people, and he basically, you know, imparted the vision onto them and said, you know, you've got to make the vision real, and uh, they took that, and I think, and added a little, their CIO took that and added a little, you know, extra vision at and you know away they went and they came up with a pretty pretty good plan i think both cities philadelphia and columbus you know are appear to have a very solid and a very you know clear cut path where they where you guys are following and i think that's a definitely a uh, definitely a plus so as we wind down today another great show i uh, want to thank you gary for uh, your insights and and talking about you know what's going on in in columbus it's been great to have you on on the show today. Thank you. I appreciate you having us, um, and we will welcome you coming to visit us uh, anytime you like. We uh, have your great time in our in our great okay. city. Okay, I I will. It's on my list. Another another city. Not your bucket to... list now. Just <laughs> <laughs> now about where's my place on the list? But you know, we'll we'll be definitely.
definitely need to come by there and, you know, and check out that stuff in person. And so, you know, much continued success, much continued support, uh, you know, make that broadband stuff happen and, uh, and share that spotlight with Chattanooga and Kansas City. Uh, to my audience, thank you again for being here. Uh, we're going to have a couple of really good topics this week, including a discussion on economic development fundraising. And Thursday, you're not going to want to miss that show. So have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.